When Matt Ruff gave his blessing to producer and screenwriter Misha Green, he told her, it's yours now. Go for it. Not only did she go for it, she hit a home run. On today's episode of Forks and Fangs, we bring in special returning guest, Jonathan Fro Perry, as we wrap up our series finale of Tiny Bites discussing episode 9 and 10 of Lovecraft Country. So don't go away. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Hello, world. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Vulgar Geniuses. My name is Denny. And I'm Veronica. We're still alive. We are. We have survived 2020. Still That's, surviving. We're still surviving after like five long years <laughs> of 2020. We're still here <laughs> thriving. I'm drinking an old fashioned. We are. Um, it's going to kill us. This is the one that would kill us. <laughs> God, please don't kill me with this drink. It's delicious. Um, your husband made it. Yes. I saw him burn a piece of wood to give it that smoky that smoky taste. It's basically very extra, but that's what he loves to do. And we're team extra, so it fits. <laughs> it's, a description. It, it's, it's on brand for us. Clicks. It clicks. <laughs> and um, I think he used, oh, he said the, the, the bourbon was Knob Creek. I have no fucking clue, but... It's delicious. Yes. It's delicious. Yes. Um, some bitters? Oh, some bitters. <laughs> we, I told him I felt like a fancy white lady drinking my... <laughs> you are. You are a fancy With white With my little, my little cup here. I wish yep. you all could see it. It's, it's beautiful. It looked like a diamond. It's a hexagon. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Octagon. Yeah, octagon. <laughs> know your shapes, kids. Anyway... Um, today was a wonderful day. Yeah, we finally did our, our little, it's not a giveaway. Mm-mm. It's it a was, raffle? It wasn't a raffle. It was, <laughs> it was a, it was our Unleash the Genius um, reading initiative yes, that we cool. launched early back in September. Um, uh, we have been working on this project since, actually since August 9th. I, I looked through my text messages to see when I sent you the idea. This is the crazy idea. And we we saw it through and we just want to say like thank you to everybody that donated. Yes, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Um the pandemic is shitty. The last 4 years have been shitty. Mm-hmm. But you are the people that keeps this world going because you are the realist, the kindest we need more people like you. So yes. if you're one of them, thank you so much. Tipping my imaginary top hat. More power to you. So, um, yeah, we were able to raise over the, the requested yeah. amount, which was $1,000. We ended up getting um, over 1500 
Yes. And uh, with those funds, we were able to purchase tote bags with the logos printed on it yes. with beautiful boxes that each child got their own bag with a box inside stickers pencils journal the but, book yeah most importantly the book the bookmark we're going to be doing a um a book club with eccleson elementary out of based out of orlando florida with miss jones's fifth grade class and we are reading ghosts by Jason Reynolds. None other than. Shout out to him. I really hope that we can get <laughs> a shout out, a repost. We re, repost. We put it up a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, so we hope that he will see it. And then I can like reel him in and be like, Hi, Jay. Uh, you remember me when I met you? Because I did meet him. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we're, we go way back. <laughs> can you do something special for these kids? So we're... We're gonna we're gonna say a prayer, light a candle, meditate, do whatever to get that <laughs> come in. Say a say a spell. I'm, I'm good. Yes, that would be that, that would be, be my good. thing. That that's what I do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I reel them in. <laughs> I sage something, burn something. Spe- so speak of saging and burning, um, we are here to discuss. Burr, 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 burr. The, the last two episodes of Lovecraft Country. L- LCC! <laughs> Even though Lovecraft is one. <laughs> hey, I made it up. If you're gonna hate, you can, you can all leave. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's all good. That's how I label our, our podcast episodes with Tiny Bites. Oh, yeah, this is the Tiny Bites. You didn't do the Tiny Bites. Tiny Bites. <laughs> so... For this, our, I would guess this would be our Tiny Bites finale for the season, season one. Yeah. We brought in a special guest who, like, begged us. He begged us, <laughs> begged us to be a part of this Hey, hey, I'm, I'm out of this conversation right now. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to sit in and, and listen. <laughs> I'm just minding my own business one day and then I get a text message well, um, from the one and only Jonathan Fro Perry. I'm sorry I like slurred your first name. I think the alcohol is now hitting. Yeah. But anywho. I was going to say, you make it sound like you just met me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jonathan? Oh, yeah, that's his name. And uh, yeah, so I got a text message from you saying that you really wanted to be on our episode when we discussed the last two uh episodes of Lovecraft Country. Not only that, you sent me audio and then you sent me um, a picture of all of the notes that you took from watching the show. And I, I would say he has done his homework. Look um, at that, Look at that legal nine. pad. He's showing us his legal pad right now. So that's I think I think 10. Fro would be guiding us and leading the way <laughs> to this into the completion of um, Lovecraft Country. Yes, because I've been drinking, so... Th- no. I want to just chirp in. Chirp, 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 chirp. If you've been following it. us from the beginning. Yes. Well, not not the love crap episode, but just, you know, the people listening to the podcast. In if you've been following us, then you would recognize the voice because we entered interviewed. Um, she is slurring. I am. <laughs> I'm not even finishing the words. We, we need Jesus right here. <laughs> Can you walk we... a straight line, please? <laughs> 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 
we interviewed uh, Fro for a special podcast um, after the death of George Floyd. Um, he did an, a mural. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, we highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. Um, it's still prevalent to where we are today. I mean, it's, you know, it's only been a few months, but you know, racism <laughs> still exists. We haven't, we haven't. Um, it feels a long time ago. It does feel like a long time. I think that was probably in year three when we had that discussion. <laughs> year three of twenty twenty. Because we're in year five right now. <laughs> but it's it's a new day. We gotta. Go. <laughs> so uh, let's what what. Was episode nine about Miss Denny? Um, it's called Rewind Nineteen Twenty One. So with Hippolyta at the helm, Letty, Tick, and Montrose travel to Nineteen Twenty One Tulsa in an effort to save D. All right, that is our little snippet from IMDb, but that is a loaded, loaded statement. Yes, right because there. there was a lot of stuff. That was that's it. You don't even have to watch the episode if you read that. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're done here. <laughs> so since you are a guest, we will let you uh, begin first. Um, how do you, what do you want me to talk about? First? Well, what did you uh, think about about episode nine? Um, I, I mean, I liked them all, uh, but that one was interesting. The thing about this show in general is that every episode is a different type of story. Mm. And that took me a little while to figure that out. And this is the time travel episode. Yes. Uh, they don't screw up your past because you'll screw up your future kind of thing. Um, I liked it. I like that each episode is individually uh, themed, but over the course of the season, it is a story. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a space episode, a time travel, uh, Indiana Jones kind of adventure movie, you know, they're all like that. I like that a lot. Uh, this one specifically, um, I don't think this is my favorite episode. Uh, hmm. Oh. Uh, oh. Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> what did you like about this episode? There's, there's some comments in the room. Yes. <laughs> Someone has entered the chat. <laughs> um, I like that um, Dee was t- basically turning into her worst nightmare, mm-hmm. which was the characterization of a black person you know mm-hmm. the the minstrel show style ignorance you know mm-hmm. it was just making noises and being creepy as hell and it was just the shucking and jiving like that creature actually shuck and jives on its way to go get mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I, I found that interesting just you know the worst nightmare Yes, yeah. what she she is a smart kid. She's thinking about the future. She was doing sci-fi comics in what nineteen fifty. When does this take place? The yeah, actual, in the, in the, the late nineteen fifties. Yeah, I, I haven't really heard much about uh, children, well, black children writing sci-fi anything from mm-hmm. the nineteen fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they did or didn't, not a big thing. Um, but yeah, that was a big thing to me. It's just the slow haunting of she was literally becoming it uh, with it taking off her arm and in her face and it was stretching her mouth out and the big red lips um, yeah I don't know I just like that the transformation that to this episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I'll say that as the overarching opinion of the 
this episode here. So <laughs> that entire much. episode, you're saying that that was the that particular part of her transformation that they were trying to prevent is what stood out the most for you? Yeah, because the other the other seventy five percent of this episode, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna have to get to to that. That's the uh, that's I would say an unpopular um, opinion. I mean, there's things in the, like overarching themes of the show I like, like people lie to each other. But once someone's confronted about the lie, they're just like, Bleh, and they just say it. Mm-hmm. You know, the only real secret in the show wasn't a secret, and that was um, that lady was pregnant. Everybody knew, mm-hmm. but nobody knew. Everybody knew. You know. Yeah. yeah. She always had to like, you knew, you knew. Worst kept secret. Um, And I get it because everybody found out a different way, you know. Um, But yeah, I just, I think that was kind of cool. They don't make it a big deal when someone does. I think the biggest secret was um, Montrose being gay and that was too um, tick, you know, him. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest secret, and then it still bothered him, but he kind of, like, he understood that's what his dad's situation was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, his only family. Yeah. 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 Well, mm. I think we all know there's some family that doesn't care what your situation is, <laughs> and they're going to hold some grudges forever. Oh, what? What? Say it again for the people in the pack. <laughs> what uh, about you, Denny? What, what, what would you say? Grudges. What would you say stood out for you in this episode? Um, Because this is the one when they went back to Tulsa, the time machine, and then Montrose just basically like reliving again what had happened to him when he was younger. Mm -hmm. So I think what stood out for me in this episode was, um, was when Letty was walking back to the time machine and he had the book and it was just like bombs and bombs and like fire a fire in the back Mm -hmm. and it it was kind of just like oh so this is you know this is like the destruction this is like it kind of like symbolizes like the unending like destruction and like pain and basically just like if you're colored in this country, it's gonna be a shit show for you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt when I, when when she was just like holding on to that book, because that book is kind of just like this is what would save us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I need I need to do this mm-hmm. for all my people, because if not, it's gonna be like this all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's like that's the thing to me. Like it's kind of like layered, mm-hmm. but it's that's what the that seems to me based on how you're describing it is how I see being a minority in this country in general. Yeah, Where you exactly. kind of have to put up with, not kind of, you have to put up with all the nonsense and still be productive and continue and yes, exactly. do the things to live, you know. Like, obviously, we don't always have magical spells to keep us safe, but... But, you know, it's 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 we kind of... have to do something. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like you you're fighting for everything right there at that moment. Mm-hmm. So if if you're a minority, i.e. us, mm-hmm. <laughs> the so fight continues every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, it's the little things. Mm-hmm. I I would have to agree with you on that 
that that scene and the scene um, with Atticus coming in to protect his father as a kid, that the entire episode, that episode, I have to say personally, that episode was my favorite. Um, I originally before we had gotten to episode nine, I thought I think it was the second episode. No, 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 the very first episode. <laughs> The very first episode was originally my favorite until I got to nine. And I'm like, oh, because emotionally that episode wrecked me. Time Atticus moves his foot and realizes that he is the person that is going to save his dad. With the combination of him and the bat with Sonia Sanchez... (laughs) poem in the background i i was just like in that moment i caught my breath i was trying hard not to cry but i was sobbing through that entire she was that entire scene (laughs) um it just it it wrecked me and it was it wrecked me in a in a in a way that it left all of my emotions just like out there raw feeling every single thing all the way down to when the credits were rolling and you hear the the opera music playing um it is that particular poem you know it plays on exactly what you were dinning what you were saying in regards mm-hmm. to the stuff that you know people of color are having to deal with on an everyday basis because she's telling you in the poem that even though these things are happening, you must, you know, catch the fire. You have to continue to burn. Mm-hmm. Don't kill the fire. Because when, when I first heard the poem, I was like, why Why did she... She was saying, don't kill, don't kill. And at first I was like, she's talking about, like, don't kill people. But then I, I was listening to it again today and I realized, I was like, oh, she's talking about don't kill the fire that is in us mm-hmm. in order for us to continue to, you know paved the way that needs to be paid for you know your brother your sister for us for them for everybody uh, for us to get to where we need to be um the fire is necessary so i think that particular reason is why that episode is my favorite out of the entire series what so let's go let's go you know i guess go back to the beginning in regards to the spell that has to be taken, you know, that the spell that has to be done in order to save Dee's life and the steps that they need to take in order to get them and so one involved. of them being them having to deal with Christina. It always has to do something with Christina. Can I say something about what Veronica just said? Oh, sure. I like that. So, that. The Atticus and Montrose situation, I thought it was cool that they're doing it, but for some reason, this episode, for as smart as every character is in this show, it took them a long time to get up to realizing they just need to do the things. And standing in an alley and talking for 45 minutes was just driving me insane. Like They weren't talking that long. I have like, a note. Pops to, and Tick spend a lot of time just talking. To me, that was actually the only thing that surprised me in, in this whole entire series. I knew Montrose was gay from the very beginning. <sighs> yes, she did. <laughs> well, that, that paid off because you saw the dad goes to the bar 
the bar is owned by the guy Sam Sammy Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and so it was like okay this makes sense this is where he's going I didn't see it coming but it made a lot of sense it wasn't like wow like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, and even like Letty being pregnant, I don't, I know Letty was getting pregnant, I know Gia's gonna come back. So, <laughs> but like when Tick like kicked that baseball bat, and I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, it's him. I think the conversation that happened in the alley was necessary in order for there to be an understanding of like why his dad could not go and save. You know Thomas's yeah. life. You know I mm-hmm. think it, it, and also in order for us to understand, um, <laughs> like the the heaviness of what it what it really meant for him, because the, mm-hmm. for him to say like he had to sacrifice a lot. But yeah, you that know, they put him in the closet if he wasn't gonna be mm-hmm. between his dad whipping his ass and then his uh essentially boyfriend getting killed in front of him, then being attacked, and then the city burning down around you. I can understand, you know, it makes sense why he just tried to keep it pushed down and was as hard on Tick as he was in his attempt to make him, you know, tough so that he could deal with all these things because he felt he had to be a man and all that. But I understand that's that's Montrose is like worst day ever. I would hope that's the worst thing. Because everything happens. I just, I think it, as smart as the characters are, and we're watching it, and we're watch. I think smart people get what's going on. I just didn't think it needed to be so talky in the alley. Like, I don't know. It was powerful. Just. you, I, But you know, like, we're watching it. Mm-hmm. It's one thing for us to watch it, but then you have mm-hmm. to think of, like, what it would be to be those people in that moment while it's happening. I probably would be sitting there talking because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen next <laughs> and I'm not trying to die. So I need to really sit here and process it as much as possible. And I think that was what was happening with I'm them. not trying to die in like my past, future, present. Right. <laughs> so let's just discuss this. That... Let's talk it out. Did you put it together that Atticus or yeah, Tick was Jackie Robinson at the very beginning of the show. No, no, I when, now what I he had the bat and he said it. I was like, oh, that's from the very first episode when he fell asleep on the bus and mm-hmm. he's destroying the monster. That's why he Jackie Robinson not only obviously being as important as it was, but why it was important to him is he ends up being that Jackie Robinson. You know, I got it, kid. You well, know, um, I, I didn't, I didn't, fi- well, I thought when you asked that question, I thought you meant, did I figure that early on? But when no. he did, when the bat mm-hmm. popped up, then I was like, oh, yeah, obviously that's him. That's him from yeah. the dream. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a feeling from watching the very first episode, I was like, I felt like that scene was going to happen. I really was hoping that scene was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily with with Jackie Robinson being present, but with, you know, like all of the robots and all the fire. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that was what it was going to be. But their interpretation of that scene was exactly Tulsa, exactly. Yeah. which is it. I mean, it basically is the same, but it, it didn't play out like how I th- originally thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. but it was something much on a on a larger and deeper, deeper scale. Um, so go. You, I, I don't know what your plan is for this. Do you plan on bringing up the the cop with the black man skin? 
Oh, we could talk yeah. about all of that. Go ahead. Yeah. Because that is something that's not necessarily addressed by the end of this, and I think that's a weird loose thread because he's got he got bit by the um, the watchdog of Tick, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the vampire watchdog monster thingy. And you see that it can't be healed by magic. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, every time he gets grafts of skin from whatever he's doing, you know, it doesn't heal. And then he's approached by uh, Christina, and you find out that um, what's her alter ego? Uh, William. William. William is his son, and he's. She says, "Did you not get that?" She no. Says, I William. The death of I want you to know that William is suffering his death every time, or something like that. That's my understanding is that William was his son, and she is William. That's why when she walks into the and she sees him, he's surprised to see William. That's how I took that. Why do you? Okay, I I don't know. I, I didn't catch that. I no no no. You, you might have to. You took it? How I did you get son? Again, and I was like, hold on, is that she's like I. Hold on, let's let's check the notes. He's going to the legal pad. Because it's like, even like when Christina would talk to Ruby, it's like, calls Lancaster, but she never said that they're blood related. Or did I miss that? William is related to to the... I thought, that's how I took that as, is she's keeping him alive, like this weird death, in in a attempt to punish the... Chief of police. Well, I'll just call him that. Yeah. Uh, the one, the one that's bitten by the Lancaster. The that's his name. Yeah, and that's how I took that as. I'm like, and I'm willing to watch it over again to see that. But that's how I was like, oh, this is a weird angle that I'm not. She's punishing him, the the chief, by being the son. But I may be wrong. But that's how I took that with that weird interaction in the cop, the police I... off, uh, police. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he was his son. I would have. I, I literally just rewatched that episode. I'm have to go back mm-hmm. and watch it again. But it seems like that part is so small in in all of everything of what's mm-hmm. between the entire show and what this all the other powerful things in this episode. So much bad stuff happens. I just took it as like she because she, she had originally stated a few episodes earlier that William was the heir to the lodge. Like he was supposed mm-hmm. to take it, take over all of that, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, you know, Lancaster kills him. So I don't understand, like, why would he kill his own, his own okay. son? So maybe, I might be wrong, but that's how I took it when she came in and said that. So mm-hmm. I just I mean, thought that she just wanted him to die. I think she just wanted him to die over and over and over again. But mm-hmm. she knew that she could only do it once, and that was why she had Ruby put that thing in his desk because it would keep mm-hmm. him from being able to regenerate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, early on, I did recognize. I think that was when Ruby was locked in the closet, yeah. and he came in to take his shirt to change his shirt. Mm-hmm. And when he took his shirt off, I said, "That man got a black body." Yeah. But then, you know, I was questioning him. I said, well, maybe it was just because it's a different well, body. They don't show it clearly. They show it through the slats of that stupid Yeah. yeah. It, it almost, it's really quick. It almost looked like he had some tattoos. 
Yeah, because you originally thought it was all tattoos, and I'm like, no, that's a black body. I'm like, but why is, like, his neck different color from his body? I'm like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. It, I don't, you haven't seen, um, Get Out, but that, that, him being, you know, dissected, it really reminded me of that movie when I, I saw it. I don't watch it. any scary movies. We gotta watch that one. Yeah, it's I heard good. you say that. I find that fun. Right? <laughs> yes. I, I don't... I'm going the other way. Is I, I watch almost all the scary movies because I don't find them scary. Good my for thing, you. I jokingly, at my job, I worked at one point with three older women. And we were talking about scary interactions with individuals. And I was like, I've never had this. And they're like, what scares you? And I was like, cops. Spiders. And were like, spider? I can squish a spider. But you know what I mean? I was like, cops are my, my biggest fear because you can't, there is no replications. You can't fight back. And so that was my, what I, but then I realized like watching movies, there's one, two movies that, like, and that's, um, it follows and Event Horizon. What's um, the second one you said? Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Uh-huh. Um, is that what, like a vampire movie or there's something? There's something about, no, Event Horizon is uh, kind of uh, Lawrence Fishburne's on a, a ship goes out, it uses a black hole inside of it to propel it through space. It's experimental, it disappears, nobody knows where it comes, and it comes back years later, and they investigate it. But um, that one, and it follows. That one, uh, there's something about... I can understand the feelings that they, the characters in the movies feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, But almost anything else, I'm not going to investigate. You know, I'm I'm just not that person. So I I never, I don't feel scared. I was surprised that you made it all the way through with Lovecraft and rewatched it. I I got to, girlfriend. Like, it's a a part of the show. No, I'm committed to the cause. No, I I think I I'm not a fan of scary things and scary stuff, because I'm that child from Sixth Sense. I see that. Okay. <laughs> I even felt I don't even believe in ghosts, and I felt like I walked into one once, and I don't care. Yeah. Um. So we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> She'll have nightmares, but so we gotta. I'm glad you made it through this. Yes, you know. It's been interesting listening to you talk about it in roundabout ways through all these episodes. Through my fears. (laughs) Through your hands. Yes, I'm just like, Your fingers. Um, Kind of like as a theme in general for this is I'm actually surprised that HBO has two very popular shows that deal with Tulsa. Um, Mm. And I think that's, it's a very weird year between that, what's going on in the United States, and to have two, two shows in one year that address things that most a lot of people in the United States don't know. Even Juneteenth being an event this year. Mm-hmm. It's the first time in my life that I knew outside of the handful of people talking about it, it was a thing yeah. to some degree. I mean, who knows if it's going to continue, but it's it's interesting that it's in front of everybody now. I think so. I think Juneteenth will continue. I think talking about different um, uh, huge events within uh, black folks' lives in America are going to be a, a really big thing. Um, we just 
commemorated the um, Okoye yeah. massacre that happened. It it happened in Okoye, Florida, and uh, it was it happened like a hundred years ago. A hundred years was the anniversary this year, and um, so they they did several things. Um, different schools celebrated in different ways to acknowledge it. I think it is something where we are at a point where we're really trying to dig deep and have a reckoning with our history, yeah. not just like it be a thing where we're just talking about it for a second and then it's over. I think people are really mm-hmm. wanting to dive into it, want to see where, you know, I think for white people trying to figure out where their implication lies in yeah. it and how they can help with the... uh the resolution and the reconciliation and unit unification of people um, is by, you know, dealing with those, with those tragic events. And I, with Watchmen, I was listening to um, Fresh Air and Cord Jefferson is the one that wrote that episode about, well, he wanted to tie in the Tulsa um, <clears throat> massacre because when the head writer, whose name I don't know, but the head writer for that show, he came to court and he was like, we're working on the Watchmen. I don't know what it's going to be about. Mm. You all have to help me create it. But I do know I want it to focus around Tulsa. Mm. <clears throat> so he, you know, because he said that he wanted that uh, series to focus on things that were prevalent to what we were going through uh, now and in, in our in our lives, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he you know he was like I want to bring race into it because if anybody that read their original work knows that Watchmen is just about white people and that's hmm. that's it. I mean, there's the one character that seems to be pulled out a lot is Rorschach, and he's a racist. Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, he's the most justice centric character i don't want to say hero but you know you look at him as a character and you're like oh he sucks yeah you know him um, and the hooded black, the... Uh, white people come to me and tell me like they did not know that was a real thing until after they saw the show and then looked it up and they're like oh this thing happened I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it's just you don't hear about it yeah hey, uh i think that's the power that television has with making you, you know, say, oh, you know, let me just do a little research and Google this real quick. And then you're like, oh, shit. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. This actually happened? Yeah. What? I wanted to continue. I, mean, I don't want it to stop. Guy, but... Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, okay. I was just like, it, that just stood out to me as this series in general, in this specific episode, dealing with, I mean, do a crossover. <laughs> 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 Just this horrible moment in history, but these two very important shows touching on it. And I like how they do it because it's not like, like I love the show Blackish. It's one of those, if I need to sit and laugh and just let Jennifer Lewis just make my day because she's so fucking hilarious. But if it's one of those shows where I just want to sit and laugh, I noticed that they have a way of talking about race where it's always them giving a lesson Mm -hmm. and they have fallen into that pattern of like, this discussion comes up and now we're going to present an entire lesson on it rather than it really being a part of the show in a flowing manner. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So with with Watchmen and uh, Lovecraft Country, they had a way of talking about race on top of everything else 
that was a part of the the, the story mm-hmm. you know of um you have the subject of race that is in every single episode and you also have the sci-fi part and you have the horror part you have the mystery part all of that is tied very very neatly nicely i loved how they presented it i hope they get all the awards next year well again it goes back to what uh um danny was saying about uh letty walking and we kind of we brought it to the having to deal with it it's all the the being black is just a given and you still have to do the other thing so Mm -hmm. with how these two shows have dealt with it it's and there's plot that isn't the plot yeah necessarily yeah i have yet to see blackish by the way well outside of the telling of Mm -hmm. the of the things about race it's really funny show. It's, it's one of those shows that I avoided watching just because of the name in the very beginning. I was like, <laughs> I'm not finna watch this shit. I don't wanna yeah. watch this shit on ABC. Blackish, what's that? And then one day I was with my, my um, not with my cousin, but I was with my friend uh, Sherry. And she was like, have you ever seen this show? And we just started watching it. She lives in New York. And so we were on the phone watching it. And I was like, Oh my god, this show is actually very, very, very funny. It's funny. And now I just, I'm hooked. I'm letting my episodes build up for this season so I can go and watch them and just laugh for like five episodes straight. But it's, <laughs> I I particularly like it. Some people don't, to each its own, but Jennifer Lewis um, is a star in that <laughs> one. And and Lawrence Fishburne is... is oh yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is her uh, Wind Beneath Her Wings. He's <laughs> really, really good. Um, but back to Lovecraft. Yeah. So I want to go back to the original question I had about Christina. What did you all think about the decision of like having to work with Christina in the very beginning to help D? Like, I mean, it makes sense. You got to go... It equaled someone died or whatever the end of that curse it mm. to be you know mm-hmm. whether she dies or she just turns into the topsy-turvy character uh that was the only out you know it seems like they've been really good about only going to her as a last resort you know yeah. or how the individual character sees as a last resort i say that because letty went to christina earlier with the pages mm-hmm. and Tick was like, we can go with her to the with the pages. He's, he's like, uh, yeah, uh, did that. that. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody you know, was so, so pissed, and he ends up going to her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I like I like that it's not always relying on her, but she has information they don't have. Yeah, you know, the only person that has dealt with magic their whole life and that family is uh, Montrose, and he's been avoiding it. Mm-hmm. He's been avoiding it like he's been avoiding being gay. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, he just avoids stuff. That's just kind of what he does. Um, so no, I thought it was fine. I'm glad it wasn't used over and over and over again. Like every episode, she comes to save the day. That's cool that she wasn't, but I think it was fine. Yeah, I think you can see really the desperation on them when they pull the Christina card out, mm-hmm. and you know what? Like fuck it, like let's do this because we got to move on with what we're doing. Yeah. But I don't particularly like when they do that because, you know, she's an evil bitch. But, 
we we got to do what we got to do. It's kind of like you know you're you're selling your soul to the devil so you can get something out from it. Mm-hmm. But you that's know, you sell your soul in pieces. That's true. Like here you go. <laughs> <laughs> what we did learn is that if Christina was alive today, she clearly it would have been part of the fifty five percent that voted for Trump. Like she would be that person. She she would be that person. She would be fifty five percent Trump. She was like the most witch. un. She's feminist for the wrong reasons. Trump you know? supporter, feminist yeah, in but, their own but, but mindset of what it is. Was like pro woman because in the Magic Club she wasn't allowed. Yeah, you know it wasn't feminist as a whole. It was feminist towards her. Okay, yeah. let me rephrase that then. She she plays both sides because she would be that typical liberal white woman who you know is that feminist but is only the feminist towards white women. They don't consider mm-hmm. anybody else. They don't see anything and else. And <laughs> it, it's basically the suffragist movement that they're always talking about was so important that was just nothing but white women. So, you know, like, I think she she could play both sides of the of that coin of, like, understanding what power her privilege gave her. And obviously, you know, magic is the metaphor of the privilege that mm-hmm. white people have. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what they're playing in on this on this show. So I think she well, could me. definitely be on both sides of the of the. Oh, yeah. Um. So let's move forward into. Our last episode. Our last episode, episode 10. It's named Full Circle. With the book of names in their possession, Atticus, Letty, and Montrose, and Hippolyta tried to lift the curse on Diana before turning their attention to Christina's spell and whether there's a way to turn the tables on her. That was a very incomplete <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> IMDb, you got your shit together, man. <laughs> Guess they want you to go and go and watch the show. <laughs> Stop looking it up. <laughs> so here we have a. But it's my cliff notes. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 at the end. This is the last episode. Yes, and it's the last um, episode. We gotta. We have to watch them do all of the things to get to an end result that we. I mean. The show when it when it ended, I was satisfied with the ending, but I also was sad about the ending. I was sad because Atticus had to die. I like mm. that they didn't steer away from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had know, to you die. Get so many stories that do that, you know, they have to make the sacrifice, gotta make the sacrifice, gotta make the sacrifice, and then they find some way out. <laughs> you know, you're like, well, no, this is not it. This is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know. It's very, it's very realistic. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Like, like there would always be the sacrificial lamb that would change the course of you know the how the world works. And martyred. Yep. Yeah. Murdered. There you go. Martyred. Yeah. Somebody. It's always like there's always somebody has to die before people can see the the real thing, what's really happening. It fucking sucks. But people don't. People don't pay attention. And I like that he, well, Atticus specifically, I mean, I mean, jumping ahead, he, he, he does take control of that situation. It he is did. not that he was taken and sacrificed. He gave himself up 
two, he made the sacrifice instead of people sacrificing him. Per mm-hmm. se. Yeah. Um, I thought that was very powerful. Mm-hmm. He he yeah, changed. This one was a big he one, it. especially the ending. Yeah, yeah. This was, um, you know, I guess he knew it was necessary. I mean, he saw the future. I I kind of wish that we could have seen what he saw when he got sucked into season two the portal season two but <laughs> and then he came, he came out with that book but i like what fro said that he took control of you know of his situation he knew that it was that is how that's how it's gonna end that mm. that's what's supposed to happen but the fact that he he said that i'm gonna do this shit christina can't can't do this for me I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because this is how I would save my people. Mm-hmm. That that is that is something to take note of. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we see Gia. She, Ooh, homegirl's back. She's back, looking fly mm-hmm. in that outfit. <laughs> Dragon wife men. Do you wanna die? Do have sex with me? And uh, she said, "Do you want to die to fuck me?" Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. like, I said, it, "I said it the peace he way." <laughs> I think that makes it's it makes it. It's it's not making love. It is not having sex. It is just fucking. Yeah. Is and, and that's what that person wanted. And it's like, what's it to you? Mm-hmm. Is it worth your life? I like that character. I like that character a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Gia's cool. dope, man. I wonder in the, if in the book we see more of her. I mean, obviously you see more of everybody inside of the inside of a novel, but that character in particular, I just want to know if it exists outside of like the Korean thread that they showed us, and her showing up at the end. Um, I just I just want her to be happy, cause she's you know she. she I just want her to, cause I think she did her hundred person now. I don't know. So is the curse lifted? Is she be able to go back in her own like life? Is like, she the daughter now? And then she just left mom. Like, yeah. Thanks. And I'm out. You know. But if she, the curse was lifted, did she kill she, mom? <laughs> if the curse was lifted, she wouldn't be able to do what she did, right? But yeah, after after Atticus died, would she be still able to do all the things? Mm. Is she still a mm. kumiho? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was. There's just, a. With that, I mean, you were talking about the the book itself. The when I saw uh, this is obviously from the previous uh, episode, but when I saw Atticus with the book and he said, "This is my son's book," you know, my son is the author. That's what made the whole episodes with different themes make sense to me mm-hmm. because we're not watching their we're not perspective, watching their adventure of life. We're watching the chapters of the stories that the son understood from the family. Mm. Uh, and that's what made me accept it because with this wacky episode, it's almost like watching a different channel yeah, every yeah. episode. And at first I was like, this is hard to digest this way. But when I saw the book and he explained, I was like, okay, <laughs> I understand it as a, even part of the story. Mm-hmm why this looks the way it does mm-hmm. and i was able to accept it a lot more I, there's a lot to this episode just between actually the one part i didn't get was the baptism like why why they had it yeah i, I, I didn't understand what purpose that served i think it was just i mean when you're when you're baptized um in the christian way uh it is for you to you know like 
you accepting Christ so that when you die, you go to heaven. And mm-hmm. I think for Letty, it was like, you know, anything could happen. So it's we, her- I think it was a scene of, uh, of, of protection, just like it was no different from when they had the woman come to the house and do voodoo and, and put the blood on, on the house to protect mm-hmm. the house. I think that was her way of saying, okay, I need to do all the things to make sure that we're, that we're protected because she no longer had the, the sign on her stomach mm-hmm. oh, to yeah. protect her anymore. Damn. So you go to the next best thing. You go to Jesus. <laughs> Right, you go to Jesus, and say, "Okay, let's go." So you it's know? it's mostly for also I think just peace of mind, just just to say that she had done everything, everything that she mm. could okay. possibly do. Because that scene totally didn't make sense to me, but mm. I'm not a religious person at all. I understand the purpose of baptism. I understand washing of sins and starting fresh and accepting Christ and that stuff. I just didn't see how it played into this. Do you know what I mean? I think she was just thinking in terms of not necessarily like the sins. She was concerned about mm-hmm. the sins. I think it was more so of the afterlife. Like, I just want you to be able to cross over. We just got to, you know, if something happens, don't want to be stuck. Because that's what happened with his um, his great-great-grandparent, right? Yeah, like, Hannah. she was stuck and living throughout that scene. Mm-hmm. So much so that she ended up taking her own life. Um so I, I just think that she just didn't want to be like those. Now that that part of the show I think was what struck me the most of having these women who all understood magic and what it what it meant for black people to have it. Mm-hmm. Um even though uh Hannah in the very beginning didn't quite understand. She thought it was all evil. Just like Letty did at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But then she eventually figured out that I can control all of this. Like, it doesn't have to be a bad thing for me. Yeah. Um, that I can Isn't it Christina that taught the lesson? Yeah. That lesson, though? Hmm? Isn't it Christina that taught that lesson? Where, with, uh, was it Ruby, the one that turned into the white woman? Mm-hmm. She was like, what, what are you going to do with this magic? Do you know? Oh, yeah. She's like, you know, stop thinking so small game think big game what are you gonna do with this mm-hmm. um i found it weird i mean i found it weird that she's the one that i think taught that lesson to the planted that seed i do think overall the women are the most powerful characters in this show by far oh for sure mm-hmm. for sure yeah. i mean it that that is the theme of the show mm-hmm. that black women were the backbone of this entire show like it was necessary in order for all of these things to happen that it had to happen through them all the way down to letty letty wasn't even blood related Mm -hmm. to them and it was something that when she was saying that spell i just felt like she could do it you know partially probably because she was pregnant with his child true but i think it just was like this is the when they talk about black girl magic i think that's what they were talking about in this 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 series about like mm. what it what it is to be a black woman to have to deal with all of these things and to be able to do what you have to do in order to preserve your your life and the lives of other people i think that was like the common thread for their that that particular episode in the end when they're seen sitting around in that circle saying that spell to banish Titus. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was necessary for them to do it. And he knew it. Like, you know, he knew it, that they had the book, 
that they were trying to kill him, his spirit. Like, he knew exactly what was up when he saw them. That's why he tried to warn Christina. Yeah. Like, he appeared, but it's in Christina's way. He couldn't get it out. <laughs> no. They, they, they sucked him back <laughs> in. <laughs> do you, now, that particular scene, when she sees him, do you think it that is what inf- influenced her choice to give letty the fake blood at you know because she's ruby at that point mm-hmm. do you think it was because they were able to bring forth titus yeah i think she was really like terrified i'm like oh they're planning some shit and probably you know we we didn't know what happened when christina was trying to kill ruby we just knew she yeah. died but maybe they had some conversation or whatever because she was staring at that vial for a minute and you know ruby was like oh that's not how you steal shit by the way yeah so she was really obvious and then she tried to wiggle her way in with her charms to change it up but christina's smart and she saw it and she's like Mm -hmm. oh you're looking at that huh Mm -hmm. something's going on in that head of yours because she she also knew that ruby wasn't stupid i want to ask you a question that that Denny had asked, do you think that that Christina was genuine when it came to having that relationship with Ruby? I still don't know up to this day. Um. Oh, as or as herself or as the Duke? Hmm. Two parter. <laughs> well, because I think those are two different scenarios. I think she's I mean? the dude. No, she is, but I think she. Because she said she possesses the thoughts. That's what she said, mm-hmm. what the feelings and everything. She was like, those words, she said, those words were mine. Didn't she say that? I feel like she said. No, 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 she did. But I think, I mean, I'm not saying she's two different people, like, mind-wise. But I do think there's, I think, they obviously, they're parts of the same because they're both her inside. But I think there is, as the guy towards Ruby, I think that is a different relationship than when she was the woman towards Ruby. Even at the end, they try, you know, they start having the conversations about, did you love me, you know, for me, or was it him, that kind of thing, and she says that, but I just think those are two different, they're almost like two different characters, and I, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, code switching, it's like, you, you can address a situation two different ways, and mm-hmm. I think different things come out of them because of that. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, there, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it more than that really as, as of right now, but that's why I asked that. It just, I don't think them, they are the same person, but I think, honestly, really, it's kind of a weird thing because of Christina wanting, not wanting to be a guy and wanting to take the power from men, but it kind of took her being a dude to get the relationship with Ruby. You know. I mean, that was the only way it was going to happen. She, oh, yeah. she, you know, she couldn't have yeah. initially been Christina and gotten that relationship. She yeah. would have probably had to establish a friendship first in order for it to get to that to that place, and it would have taken too long. And she got time. She got things to do. She's like autumn equinox is happening. <laughs> I got, I got, I got to speed this this puppy up. Yeah, what that moon is time to go? What was so heartbreaking about that reveal? Uh, you know, early on in the other episodes was the fact that here you have this this black woman who obviously, you know, is looking 
for I guess somewhat the same attention that her sister Letty would be getting you know to find that love that genuine love and it reminded me we just finished reading Their Eyes Were Watching God it's my favorite absolute favorite book and then inside of um, the book there's a scene that's talking about this woman named Miss Tyler and she you know has these relationships with younger men but they don't ever work out but she had this particular relationship with a guy who, you know, he promised her the moon and then ends up, like, stealing everything away from her. And I felt like, you know, it's a a, a repeat of that scene somewhat. So, you know, for, not, Ruby. for yeah. Ruby, because it's just like she's wanting to have love. She's wanting to be free of all of the uh, the burden of what it is to be a black woman in America and here's this man that's promising, like, you know, you can have all of those things. Everything. And then finding out, like... The fuck you, Christina? <sighs> this bitch. This bitch. I mean, to find out that it's basically your enemy. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. providing that. The enemy to your family at this point. You know? Yeah. Your, your, your crew. Also, another question from the back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who is Tick's father? Oh, yeah, we're going back to episode nine um, for that one. Uh, it's George. I mean, uh, I take it as that. I, I, you're going to have to convince me real hard. You're going to have to make a very compelling argument to tell me it's not. I really think it's George, too. But I think it's George, but I was still confused behind the line of when his dad was like, you had to be mine. So I'm like, well, did he fuck his well, wife? So... So that was because he was basically his son was his his family is his beard. Ah, okay. You know, because a man has a family, a man has the you know the son. He has it's all just part of that beard. Because that day we saw the nineteen twelve one, I think was twenty one. The the twenty one. Him being even potentially gay was ass weapons and friends dying um and I, I that's how i took it is that like that was the ultimate lifelong beard for him is just being that and then i think what allowed him to be himself a bit was mom being dead and tick being gone mm-hmm. that's why when tick comes back his dad is hanging out with the guy from the bar mm-hmm. you know he's in that scene because the things that are his beard are gone yeah so, do you think Hippolyta knew? Ooh. You about about what? About Tick. That Tick is your um is your son too, ma'am. I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I think she went through her own journey. She has on her own thing. Earth five hundred four for two hundred years. Like she went through her own. <laughs> like, what did you think that in Earth five hundred three she knew? Oh shit, Tick <laughs> is my stepson. She's my half son. George did. It seemed like George was very well involved in that family, between uh, taking involved. care of Dee and Hippolyta. That I don't. I don't think he's putting off in vibes like that. You know, I think it's the people that dealt with. I think it, it deals on your angle. You know, seeing George and uh, Montrose towards Tick. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the what gave. The ass whooping uh, Tick was getting from Montrose, that's what gave um, Tick the idea of seeing George watch and all that. He's like, 
man, I really wish that dude was my dad. You know, <clears throat> I think the way George presented himself in that, his family, I don't think that was a thing that would have came up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think they did, They need to learn the truth. <laughs> that D, you have a brother. If you're listening, D. Oh, D. Well, I mean, oh, you know what I just figured out? So, and so I have my last note is, I want to watch the adventures of D and the, uh, I like D and the protector, the adventures of a murderous kid and her hellhound. But, because that's kind of how it ends. Mm-hmm. So the hellhound protected Tick, being George's son, also protected D, George's daughter. It's George. That's George right there. <laughs> that the, the hellhound is George. But my point is, them being the same blood is why the hellhound didn't kill D. Yes, so exactly. That's mean. So that would be proof that George was the dad. George being the link mm-hmm. between D and Tick. But I want to watch that show. Yes. Rainbow armed kid just destroying shit. All right, Misha Green, if you're listening to our podcast, season two, well, we have because she has talked so about a second thing. season. So you might get your wish. You never, you never know. Yeah, D D has a lot of things that she she needs to uncover. I want to follow her journey. Yeah, because it's like it's 1950s and you have a robot arm. Where would you go? <laughs> Definitely homeschool. Uh, elbow, elbow leaf gloves all the time. Yeah, you know. And it's like you know, me and my mom gonna be on Earth 503. Peace out. <laughs> because that arm was not quiet. No. no. Uh, 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 uh. She's like, I want this bitch to know I'm coming. I'm coming for your neck. (laughs) I mean, I get, I mean, I expected that behavior, D killing Christina, I would expect that towards the guy that put that spell on her. I was surprised she did that to Christina. Me too, actually. Was it? But I I guess maybe because she's the reason. She's the reason why they were in the situation they were in. So I, I, I get that, but she didn't directly put that curse on her. You know. Yeah, but the guy was her already actions. dead. There's no, she couldn't go back and kill him. He already died. Is he dead? Yeah, no. he died. Okay. Remember that was when Christina as William goes to see him yeah. at the lodge. I remember that scene because we both took different things out of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. He's dead. He's dead. She couldn't. She couldn't kill him. So, go ahead and kill that white lady. Because I guess it's you know it's real feelings. Because it would be like oh you know the little monster thing could have killed Christina. Mm-hmm. He could like that thing could have easily eaten Christina alive. Like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but instead, oh, that was a taking that moment. She yeah, but she was like uh uh-uh, uh I I oh, got she this. She probably died just with the rock on. Her. But she was she was like, No, let me help you out here. (laughs) I hope you see. I love the part where she like where Letty binds all the magic. White people can never do magic ever again. I was like, now that that's a spell. Where you can strip people strip white people of their privilege. Yes. Ain't that something? Yes. All the Karens of the world. You, they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They're probably lose their shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, they are I, losing their shit. They're losing their they shit right losing, now. Like say, there's some people right now still losing their shit a week later. 
But we digress. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you said that episode nine was not your favorite. So, which one was your favorite? Um, I liked a lot. I mean, God, um, actually, I really liked Hippolyta, uh, Hippolyta going through her journey. Yeah. yeah. I really liked her going to space. She was putting together the Green Book in space, you know. And that's how I took that. When her and George are going planet to planet and all that, that's how I took that. They take yeah. Woody, the, the ship, and they go on the planets. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how bizarre that episode got. I liked it a lot. Did you hear um, our did... did you hear our podcast on that episode? I don't know if you listened uh, to it. We just we just put it out last week, but oh wait a minute. No, we didn't. <laughs> I'm no. I'm not done editing that one. <laughs> like, we we haven't put that, that out yet. Like, My bad. That comes out next next week. But but you can talk about it because it already you already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that episode of uh, Hippolyta, when she sees the woman in the very beginning, like the the alien woman, for those who were paying attention or did their research, she is called Beyond. Say, as in say la vie, but when you say it together, it's Beyonce. I loved it because it just goes to show the love for Beyonce flows everywhere. <laughs> oh, it is, it is rich. I, I just, I, I loved that episode too. I thought before I got to nine, that Hippolyta episode was a good number two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of the first episode that aired, it was my second favorite because that one, I I cried through that entire episode because I understood what she was trying to go through of trying to find herself. And and when you're trying to be all things to all people and be what they want them want you to be, it's really hard when you're trying to find who you yeah. are. You drown. That was the, the, mm-hmm. the definition of her relationship with George. Exactly. You know, when she goes to him and she's like, I want to go. You know, and that's what that was in episode one, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I want to go. And she, you know, and you can tell she wants to go. She wants to do this stuff. She wants to adventure. And he's like, nah, stay home with the kid. Um, so that just came back. So when I saw the Beyonce, I thought it was Garnet. From... Me too. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yes. The kiddo watches that show and she put me onto it. And I was like, yo, this is Garnet as a real damn person. Mm-hmm. This is trippy. I thought it was weird that whatever she is as a being, she needs to work on her communication skills. Because telling you someone this isn't a prison and she's like thwack against the door. That's all right. Can we expand on what not a prison means? Because it was kind of wonky. Um, well, she that episode stood out to me a lot. I mean, you know, she couldn't. She she wasn't in a prison. She had to unlock the door no. herself and and yeah, unlocking I it. I mean, you know, obviously, but <laughs> but for. For Hippolyta, you know, it's like you gotta know who you are in order for you to Sometimes be free. Sometimes the prison is yourself. Yeah, mm. it's the mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, that's what it was. It was as far as her mind, as far as she could dream. Yeah, you know, she. Whether you want to dream big, dream small, yeah. whatever that end is, that's what it is. For but it also speaks to what it means to have experiences, right? Because in order for her to get to that place where she knew who she was. She had to live through all of those different 
times in order for her to get there. And if you find yourself like stuck doing the same damn thing all of the time and not allowing yourself to have new experiences, you can never figure out who you are. Yeah, there's no growth. Exactly. exactly. You're exactly. stuck. You're stuck in the jail. Mm-hmm. There's no growth. And it's sad because people would die not knowing who they really are and miserable because they're stuck mm-hmm. in the odd circumstance or situation where they're at. Yeah. 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 Which is your favorite episode? No, Smith? No, uh, number um, nine. Number nine. Tulsa. I, I really don't know what my favorite episode is. I really do wish there was more for those hellhounds because I like those a lot. <laughs> <laughs> those things were dope. They are. What is my favorite episode? I think it is a close um, like tie between Hippolyta's episode and um, 1921. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the way second... To, and then way the, to spread, you know, be between us. Good job. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then the second one, you would actually be very surprised. I know which one it is. Which one? It's the one where it's the one with the voodoo lady, Didn't where they have the to, they have the ghost haunting. The no, house. it's Emmett no. Till's episode. Really? Yep. Which one was that? I didn't hear. The Emmett Till one. Yep, that is my second favorite. The Jigabobo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I like. To me, if cause see, I don't like being scared. But if you make me feel those types of ways and still I'm gonna I'm able to power through and understand your message, it's a it's a win. It's a wrap. Hmm. You know, I would never forget those two Sia kids. I call them Sia kids because <laughs> they dance like they're part of Sia's music video. Chandelier. <laughs> Chandelier. <laughs> so, Man, shucking and jiving. That's shuck and jive. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, and then mm-hmm. I just. I just really like D's character. I I want her to be great, and I know she's gonna be great. But it's when she was biking, mm. and then there was this like commentary like we are the children, like the black children, oh yeah. black girl children in America, and she was just like ah, and I'm just like man, that I I really so, like that. Yeah, we didn't talk about I liked about this show was when uh, Hippolyta came back. And the idea uh, is like, I don't care. You were gone. Yeah. Yes. That is such a. A lot of shows are like, oh, that's cool. You came back and you saved it. Like, no, the kids like, I don't care what you did. Mm-hmm. I was here. I was alone. Your friends had to take care of me. Yep. And, and look how they did. Real. <laughs> that's a. That's what. That's how life is, and that's how people. It's not even holding a grudge. It's. This is personal, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And I like that they included that in it. And yeah. even though Hippolyta hooked her up with a shiny new super loud arm, it's still... <laughs> it's the 1950s. It's still Come on now. Yeah. She, only, she only had that technology that she could do. I'm surprised she didn't have the, like, crank it up. <laughs> I do wish they showed her, I guess, the lab in which yeah. she... She just told her, like, Come with me. Next thing you know, she... Yeah. Yeah, and told, I'm telling you, season two, man. Oh, um, that also that scene where she, you know, basically telling her I can fix your arm, mm-hmm. uh, and she gives her the comic book, 
And she's mm-hmm. like, you learned how to draw? She's like, Afua taught me. Now, I don't know if you follow her, but Afua Richardson is a... A real a, person. A real person. She's a comic book artist. Um, she is known uh, especially for her work. She is the one who drew World of Wakanda for Black Panther. Okay. So that was mm-hmm. the like the all-female um, storyline that was written by Roxanne Gay. And... Um, so her artwork is all through the movie. It's in the title card. Like, she's she's was pivotal in the creating. I think she helped mm-hmm. create the time machine, of mm-hmm. of what they okay. used. Like she yeah. she was all through that that show. So I don't even realize that she. I don't think she realized that they were going to give her a shout out. That they did mm-hmm. um, when she was like a taught me. But if you have Instagram, I suggest that you follow her. Her Instagram handle is Doctor Fu, F O O. Her artwork is is amazing. Mm-hmm. She sold a few of her pieces um, that she did uh, in dedication to Lovecraft Country. I wanted one so bad it was limited pieces. She's probably sold out already. Um, but definitely follow her her work I love that they use so many different people but the thing I loved about every single episode was the music mm-hmm. Raphael Sadiq and Lauren um, Caperman I think I might be messing up her last name but both of them Lauren was the one who did the soundtrack and uh, Raphael Sadiq is the one who pick the different you know the different songs the different songs but at the end of uh <laughs> episode nine you have I, I, right after you have the the sonia sanchez um poem you have this opera song that comes on <clears throat> and i tried so hard i was trying to find like who is singing this song like where did this come from? Like, is this a song that I didn't know existed? And it turns out that both Raphael and Lauren wrote an opera song. Lauren Lauren went to Misha (laughs) Green and she told her, she was like, I feel like there needs to be um, a requiem that plays at the end of this scene because there's always, you always, at the every single end of the scene, you all, or episode, you would have Alice Smith Mm-hmm. singing Center Man. But mm-hmm. this was the only episode where you didn't have that, that you had this opera song. And um, what she was trying to convey was, like, you will either be confused by it, like, why is this opera song coming at the <laughs> end of the episode? Because when you hear opera music, you normally equate that to white people. This is mm-hmm. what white people listen to. And so you have this black woman singing this song, which is a play on the poem that you heard before because they wanted it to intertwine Mm -hmm. and make you either feel uncomfortable or make you be like, huh, that's cool that they that they used it. So those were the two feelings that they were trying to, you know, provoke from people. Mm -hmm. I love the way that they use music. Um, The same woman who wrote the opera song also did the same thing with Jesse Norman. Uh, for, if anybody knows who Jesse Norman is, she's a phenomenal opera singer. She's a black woman um, who, with Lauren, they did a thing where they uh, took um, this work that Langston Hughes did called Ask Your Mama. 
and Ask Your Mama was like this poem, these several different um, poems that he had written that was put to jazz music uh, in, in, you know, in song format. So what they did was they took it and they turned it into an opera. And so she, I guess, wanted to recreate that same feeling by using inspiration from Sonia Sanchez's poem um, for the, the record that was played at the end of episode nine. But the the music from uh, Ruby's storyline where they're using the Cardi B from the very beginning <laughs> yeah. when you have Tierra Whack in episode one, like it was it was beautifully and masterfully done. And what I read about the the opera song, they did all of that in one take. Oh, I she sang that. it in one take. And all the all of it, it was like forty eight member band that recorded all in their own individual homes because pandemic. Mm-hmm. They all did it in one take, and I'm like, Where, how? It was such a huge song, but they are amazing musicians. Yep, you get only the best only for the, the best. best for HBO because <laughs> they're like HBO is requesting you to play this music. You better be fucking like game. Yes. <laughs> Make that money. Got to be good. I, at first, with the music, it, it goes back to Tech bringing back the book and seeing the show as a retelling of these adventures where the music made more sense to me because obviously Cardi B is not going to be playing in the 1950s, uh, especially in the department store, um, <laughs> all the places. Uh, it just was able to... Really, that one piece really allowed me to accept a lot of the oddball things to it. Like the going back and forth. Yeah, between the back and forth, the weird storytelling, the theme of the week kind of thing. It just made it easier. I'm like, okay, this is a retelling of not them experiencing it now. Yeah, because it's probably all the stories from Letty. Now, like, you know, Grandpa Montrose grandpa i mean grandma um hippolyta and auntie d you know it's kind of like a mishmash of everybody's story Mm -hmm. and he tried his very best to compile it and be like this is my papa this is my dad yeah Yeah. don't blame me for not having magic (laughs) blame my my parents (laughs) so you know here we are at the end of 10 (laughs) <laughs> we made it all the way through through Lovecraft Country and as we do with all of our other episodes when we talk about a book um, how many fangs is this something that you would read yeah <laughs> like it's so easy yeah yeah no. after I finish the book I'm, I'm reading now yeah I'm, yeah. I'm I, I would want to read this story I've been I wanted to read this story after the first 15 minutes Come on. Yeah. Of, of me watching this show, I'm like, I need, where where can I find this? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I I want to read the story. Like, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, that it's kind of like the same feeling when they read it. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, the people behind this series is amazing. I feel like they gave justice to the book and even more. They really made it, you know, as they owned it. Yeah. They owned they owned the story. Yeah. And they did the retelling really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. 
So I hope the book is not the disappointment. I don't think it will be. I think it will be the foundation in which that story was built. I hope so. Because if not, I'd be like, you know what? This would be the first, probably, the or the few times that I would be like, don't read the book. Just just watch the show. <laughs> don't waste your time. <laughs> I definitely want to read the book. It was, it was a book that I had in possession um, when the news hit that they were going to... You had this book? I checked it out from the library. I checked it out the library earlier this uh, last year, like early last oh. year. And... Um, I attempted to write to read it, but I had so much stuff going on in my life that it mm-hmm. prevented me from like getting past the the first two chapters. Um, and I think I had the book checked out for almost close to three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on hold and continues to be on hold. I have not been able to get that book back because so many people have been waiting for it. I think it was up to something like thirty some odd people waiting for that book to come in so you could check it out. Um, it was that popular, especially when the news hit that it was coming out. Uh, so I definitely want to read the book. Um, I, I would prefer to see what that book would look like with the television tie in. I know they're doing a lot of books like that. They're re kind of like rewriting it with the same storyline as the television Mm. show. So, um, if they have that, that would be great. Uh, just so I can see, you know, not only Matt Ruff, because he is the originator of this story, but as well as Misha Green's tell on it. But, um, you know, She's kudos amazing. to Matt Ruff for being able to write a story that, uh, you know, creates African-American characters that are not based in a stereotype, like, say, The Help. Like, you could clearly tell this is a person that did their research and then was willing to give that piece to someone to even to make it even better. So um, and for him to acknowledge that and give that that permission to to Misha to be able to do something like that. Um, I definitely would give this all the fangs. It's it's a really good one. This gets all the fangs. Um, Five 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 uh it's a show that i have rewatched over and over and over and it i mean we rewatched nine and ten last night i mean tonight and i think i've seen it a total of four times already oh my god you have maybe maybe five maybe five um, because you know we were supposed to record earlier, and I we watch, rewatched it then. But what I would do after initially rewatching it, I mean watching it the first time, I would go and watch it the next day. Like I just had to see it the next day because it just sat with me so so much, and I still get choked up every time at the same scene. Every time I watch it, I feel like I've been watching it the first time. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. I came onto the show later than its original release. So I came in a few weeks. Like, I think there was only three episodes left to go mm-hmm. when I watched it. So I just ran through it. Was that so six, seven episodes in a, in a weekend? Mm-hmm. And I just watched it. Probably most of those are in one night. But then, as I was talking to friends about it, I was like, oh, and they have questions. I went back and rewatched some of them, and specifically 9 and 10 last weekend or last Thursday I watched them again and that's when I took all my notes um <laughs> but uh yeah I mean I definitely would suggest it uh 
it's all an all around just a good show. Um, I would give um, I think with Michael K. Williams is a special award because. Mm-hmm. You know, people know him from The Wire being Omar. Omar Lee. And so to see him in in this particular role of not only, like I was telling you earlier tonight, watching him be a badass half of the time and then the other half is scared as as hell. Like, mm-hmm. you you know, he was always afraid. He is always he afraid. He was always afraid. I, I, I feel that, though. Well, yeah. Go back to that 1921 that screwed up everything for him. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that one day, we got to see that, you know, what's the worst day of your life? Well, that that's it. But not <laughs> only just Tulsa, yeah. like, when they're going, they're having the Indiana Jones adventure, and he, you could tell, like, when he's climbing down the, ru- the rope, you know he's afraid. He's, he's no, like, you, bet, he's you better not safe, let go of me, boy. <laughs> from that point on. Like, oh, yeah. He played it safe from that point on. I think him being with the boyfriend at, in Night Twenty One, that was him taking chances. He got his ass whooped about it. He got that with the the, the flower in his hair. Everything at, from that day, he's just playing it safe. Yeah, he's you like know, there he's are like, no chances. We're just we're just straight from from now on. Yeah. <laughs> my 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 last question, last question Uh-oh. of the last questions. Fro, who was your favorite character? Hmm. I really like George, but I was okay with him dying. And then when he died, it went to Hippolyta because of her adventures. Of her adventures. I was I was afraid that you know not afraid, but I was sad when George died. Oh, I was I was upset. Because I love, I love Courtney B. Vance, and I just thought I was like, finally. As soon as he had, I heard he had a bum knee. I was like, oh, this dude. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, finally, Courtney B. Vance is getting his shine because he has, you know, been in the shadow of his wife. I mean, his wife is Angela fucking Bassett. So you know, it's like, what do you, what do you do? But be the husband to Angela Bassett. And I, you know, I was so like, he finally movies, got his moment. What? So, with COVID, I have been watching odd series all the way through. I've watched all the Tremors movies. I watched all the um, what's the ones? Um, oh Jesus, Starship Troopers movies. The first ones are great. A lot of the other ones are trash, especially Starship Troopers. But I last week I went through all the Critters movies, and I'm watching Critters four. There's five. Um, Why? <laughs> like, who is this woman? I know this woman. And it's from 1991, I think. 91 or two. Turns out Angela Bassett, Critters in Space. And like, she. That was the humble idea. beginnings. <laughs> that movie's rough. <laughs> oh, man. But everybody got to start from somewhere. Hey? Everybody got to start from somewhere. Oh, Either you're starting from Law and Order, everybody is on four. Law and Order. <laughs> There's four. <laughs> Critters four. Then there's five. Critters five came out last year. Oh man! It's it's like the Sharknado movies. <laughs> Sharknado, yeah. Anaconda, like all of them. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> like even even snakes on a plane. Samuel was already Samuel L. Jackson, oh, yeah. but I guess he just have to have that. You just gotta have that one movie. Mm-hmm. 
No, he has a lot of. If you look at his uh, IMDb page, there's a bunch yes, of stinkers on there. His portfolio. But Snakes on a Plane, I think, is is that one for the him. The stinker of stinkers. The purposeful stinker. So, but I was gonna say is a lot of his movies. I mean, when you're as famous as he is, I get you just do them for fun. You know. Probably. I wish I can do. <laughs> yeah. You have that B that B movie. <laughs> See? that be my movie because it ends up becoming cult classics anyway they probably know this mm-hmm. and they're like I can go to Comic Con for the rest of my life <laughs> and get paid I don't have to do oh. nothing else and then he goes I mean between that and um, Nick Fury true I got it Those. made yes <laughs> so is it Uncle George for you my favorite character mm-hmm. no it's Letty it's Letty it's Letty it's that lipstick it's the lipstick <laughs> It's the lipstick. <laughs> and you know what? It's not even Letty. It's Letty's lipstick. <laughs> That's, That's the favorite, favorite character, character for me. And her clothes. And her clothes. Ooh, my favorite character in the series would probably have to be... Um, I think it's actually Ruby. Oh, what? why? why Ruby? It's just... Because of her nurse outfit in the last... Because <laughs> I think, she, to me, like, she, you know, she's not, like, the main character. Mm-hmm. But she was the one that got duped by Christina. She Lord. was... Yeah, yes. to- totally. But then, you know, you see this, like, going back and forth with her and Letty... To me, she was kind of, like, the most relatable. And the stuff that she kind of went through was kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. And then the second one would probably be, like, Hippolyta. Yeah. Because right. L- Letty's badass, you know, but I think you, you got to give it up to Ruby and Hippolyta to have that story be told yeah. the way it is. I, I do think that Jonathan Majors, who plays Atticus, is going to be this generation's Denzel Washington. I'm calling it right now. Because his his um acting range, because I saw him in um The Five Bloods that was directed by Spike Lee. He's in that the movie. First, like, 30 minutes of that so far. I haven't made it all the way through. But he, he's in that movie, and when he popped up, I was watching it with Basil. And Basil's like, don't we know this person? (laughs) And I did not recognize him because he's playing a type of character that is so totally different than Atticus. And I'm like, this is range. Because you have some actors who are like the same actor in every single movie that they they play in. Mm -hmm. Like Samuel L. Jackson is the same person in every single... He's just himself. But I think for Jonathan Majors, I really feel like there's a huge future for him. He's a good actor. Yeah. Him and, and Yaya, who played um, Dr. Manhattan in yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, I was going to say, he's next. Yeah. He he was like, whoa. And if you haven't seen um, Watchmen, I'm really sorry. I probably just spoiled that for you. But <laughs> and it came out last year. Yeah. But uh, he... Well, so um, the reason I thought about Jonathan Majors is he's going to be in the MCU. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to be in Ant-Man. Yeah, he's going to be Kang the Conqueror. Uh, I actually, when I heard that, I painted Kang on the free wall. Uh, yeah, I thought that was what? really cool. Oh yeah, that's big news. What? Mm-hmm. Whoever I, his agent is, I'm living under a rock. 
they making that money. Do you hear me? They getting paid. Ant Man is uh, under to me it was underrated movie, but I re- I really <laughs> like it. I I really next. like that movie. Yeah, that I heard that movie was good. I haven't made it to it yet. I'm still working my way through. Through, like when the, all the memes of people disappearing with the snap came out, like. I already know kind of what it means, but I'm trying really hard not to like dive into those because I haven't finished the series. Oh my god! Everybody cries, up. but I, you know, like I'm not ready yet to get that spoiler alert. I'm trying my it's, hardest. It's, it's, it's a lot of movies. It's to work all through. fake. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a lie. I know they did, the but I just don't know yeah, who died. It's clickbait. <laughs> Just, Man. just watch it, please. Just watch it. It's so <laughs> good. I think I have like I don't know. I think I five more movies, movies to watch. Like earlier this year, so I sent something in a message, and they're like, "But I haven't seen it," and I'm just like, "Come on!" They, like they the, been, this year is Marvel catch up year. There hasn't been a Marvel movie all year. This is the one. Th- that is kind of a good point, though. Like, who has the time? It's pandemic. Everybody has the time. <laughs> No. As I raise my hand. You can't raise your hand. You've already seen it. You've seen, already well, you seen said, it. Well, it doesn't count. I've watched every movie more than once. <laughs> That's true. But I think when I watched Ant-Man, I'm like, why is this movie not being talked about? I'm like, it, this movie is so good. And then I went to Comic-Con once. No, not Comic-Con. Like the one in um in the Orlando. Megacon? Megacon. Megacon. I'm sorry. I wish I was going to Comic Con. I know this. But in um in in MegaCon, somebody dressed up as Ant Man, and nobody was paying attention to him. And I'm like, hi, Ant Man. <laughs> I'm the only one. And I'm like, can we take pictures? And he was so game, but nobody's paying attention to him. That would Poor that thing. would be hilarious if it actually was Paul Rudd dressed up as Ant Man. Well, I haven't seen myself on TV though. <laughs> This one lady. I'm just. I'm looking forward to seeing Jonathan Masters as in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's go. Yeah, yeah I think he's gonna be good. The pandemic. There's no reason why it wouldn't be. This is where he slacks off. <laughs> He'd be like, easy. <laughs> well, it's been a it's been a real treat doing this last tiny bite of yes. 2020 2020 with with you all and um we obviously know that this is this was our favorite tiny bites series to review for the year we've done a few um uh, this one was a long one because <laughs> it wasn't a movie it was a whole five episodes <laughs> 10 well our our tiny bite episode yeah. was five but yeah for us to sit through all the episodes we sat through them several times over yeah that shows our dedication <laughs> we want to give you the best and, and the... fuck that dude from uh <laughs> oh uk i am still holding a grudge <laughs> yes i am love bliss whatever your username was Explain again to the people what we do. If you want me to explain, I'm just going to point you. Go back, listen to our other tiny bites. I'm not. I'm not going to relive that. But um, haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. That's what it all boils down to. That is the theme for 2020. Um. So yeah. So we wanna we wanna say thank you. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wear your wear your mask. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Bye bye. Deuces.
We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.